Thank you for being here this morning. If you are online or on the phone uh, listening or, or, or watching us, you are listening to and watching First Baptist Church. Welcome. I'm Pastor Mark. And, um, and what a day it is today. We are going to be in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38 this morning. Luke 1, 26 through 38. <clears throat> Can you believe that we're making that walk towards Christmas already? I know some uh, some of you guys are probably going, oh no, don't even say that. Let me ask you this. How many of you are ready for Christmas? There sometimes look, there's so, somebody's raising their hand. Each. <laughs> It's amazing, but sometimes some people are like that, right? Are you more like me that is hitting the dollar store on Christmas Eve? But for me, and maybe for you also, taking this time between Thanksgiving and and uh, the birth of, of of our Lord and Savior is is important. It's it's a time, you know. To, for us to, to get our hearts, our minds ready for what Christmas is about. And it's not about the presents and it's not about the trees and, and, you know, and all of that, that the whole purpose of, of our Christmas is, is to have Christ and Mass, to, to worship Him, to celebrate that God had sent His Son for us. And each week we'll light a candle. Today we, re- we lit the candle of hope, um, and our hope is in Christ. And each week we'll write, light another candle, one for peace and joy and love. And then the center candle is the candle of Christ, which we'll light on Christmas Eve. It just gives us a way to, to, to be focused, to, to get us tunneled in to what we're supposed to be thinking about on Christmas. And and yes, the presents are fun and, and getting together is a wonderful time, but but to understand that Christmas is truly about Christ and not about anything other than that. The fact that Jesus came to this world to die for us, to be our sacrifice, that we might have a way to live with him forever to live with him in heaven. But it's interesting, you know, in our lives how, how God works, isn't it? I mean, each of us probably has a, a God story where, where, you know, maybe you didn't realize him working in your life at, at, at that specific time, but then when you look back at it, you wow. see that I couldn't have done that. That couldn't have happened without God's hand in it. I don't know where where all of your hearts are or whether you, what your beliefs are at this point, but um, but I'm telling you what I believe out of this book and, and in my heart and and what I know many of uh, many of you do. But our lives are are kind of crazy, aren't they? And and God works in them whether we whether we accept that or whether we see that or not. But it's, it's interesting that God oftentimes interrupts our ordinary days, our ordinary lives to do extraordinary things. And so today 
we're going to talk a little bit about that in in the Gospel of Luke in chapter one. We we learn the story of of you know how the angel came to a, a young teenage girl who was betrothed was uh, engaged to be married. And this angel came. We wouldn't be celebrating Christmas without God sending a Savior. And the day that that angel showed up in front of that young lady, that teenage girl, was the beginning of Christ's story. So in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, God's Word says, And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. God had commissioned an angel, not only not only an angel, but the angel Gabriel, this, this warrior uh, angel, and sends him from heaven to deliver a message. That's what angels do. They're messengers. And so he, he shows up to this young girl in this unexpected place. It was in the Galilean region, which is 45 to 50 miles uh, north of Jerusalem. It's about 30 miles wide. It contains uh, the borders of, of the Sea of Galilee and is just north of Samaria. The region is mentioned because Nazareth was so small. Luke's readers most likely would not have known even where his general location was. So he tells us that the region. And Gabriel appears to this most unlikely person, you know, I mean, to, to, to be the mother of God, the earthly mother of God. He taps a teenage girl that's a virgin that has her, her, her chastity in place and that's confirmed in, in chapter 1 verse 34 where she confesses her lack of experience and in Matthew 1 23 it says behold a virgin shall be with child and bring forth the son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us and then Secondly, I mean, Mary's engaged. She's engaged to Joseph, the carpenter. In Matthew 1, chapter 18, I mean, chapter 1, verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with the child from the Holy Ghost. You see, in that culture, once the... the, the Engagement process started. It lasts a year. So, so they, the husband to be expresses his, his desire to, 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 to have the woman as his wife. And there's a price for the woman. 
they used to call it a dowry, you know, but, but it would cost her. Do any of you guys pay for your wives? Just asking. I just didn't know. If, um, my father-in-law offered me $10,000, but I didn't take it. I'm just telling you. Anyway, um, but, but in that culture, they started that, this process. So, so he was engaged to, to marry, and uh, Joseph was. But in Deuteronomy 22 and 23, it tells us, If a damsel that is a virgin be betrothed unto a husband, and a man find her in the city or, or in a dark place, and lie with her, this is what, what would happen. Then ye shall bring them both out unto the gate of the city, and you shall stone them with stones until they die. The damsel, because she didn't cry out, being in the city, and the man, because he hath humbled his neighbor's wife, so that thou shalt put away evil from among you. So Mary had this issue all of a sudden. She was pregnant. And she wasn't married. And she was engaged. And she's not pregnant by the man who she was engaged to. So the law back then would have taken her out to the city. And they would have stoned her if Joseph would have put her away. And he could have. He could have told everybody and, and dissolved the, the, the engagement. But Joseph decided not to do that. And we'll go into that at another time. So that's the scene. Well, then we have the announcement of the Messiah's birth, verses 28 through 37. where it says, The angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Can you imagine that? Having Having an angel, having a messenger from God tell you that you found favor from God. And behold, thou hast conceived in thy womb and, and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom there shall, shall be no end. Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know, have not known a man? The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall burn of, born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. 
And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Imagine, if you can, I can't, what the, the thoughts of this, this young teenage girl at the sight of the angel first, and then, and then saying that, that she was going to be she was going to be with child. She was going to bear the Savior of the world, the Messiah. That, that all the prophecies in the Hebrew Bible had talked about. But one thing that this announcement was, it was an announcement of grace. I mean, Gabriel's greeting is a beautiful one. He uses two alliterative terms in the Greek, emphasizing grace. Kair, which is evocative, it means shalom. It's another word for peace. And then he says that Mary is highly favored and blessed among women. Gabriel reveals that, that Mary's a recipient of God's grace. Now, understand that, that she has received God's grace, but that doesn't mean that she's a bestower of grace, not divine grace, but of human grace. She's the object of God's favor. Again, I, I just think that being able to understand what it would be like if, if you felt favored by, by God. Do you, any of you ever feel that way? Oh my goodness, you should. Every one of you should understand that God favors each of you, that he gives you an opportunity to come and live with him. That's why he sent that baby to grow up into a man that died on a cross for us. Each one of you is favored by God. And I pray that, that, that at some time in the near future, if not today, that you don't feel that favor for each of you. Gabriel tells her that the Lord is with you and he is with us. But this announcement is not only about grace, it's also about God's greatness. And it's also about the greatness of Jesus. Gabriel declares that he's going to be great in, in verse 32, the first part of 32. Mary had, you know, many other people had never heard of Nazareth, like I've already said. And this, this young girl, you know, may be poor and obscure. But brothers and sisters, we cannot judge by a human's outward appearance. And we do that, don't we? Don't we judge people about how they look, what, they ha what they've done, all of that? Thank the Lord that God doesn't do that with us. I mean, he judges us. That's part of his job, right? But he is there for us to give us that way, to, to, to get rid of, of that judgment. But he was saying that, that you know, that, that hit her son was going to be great. He was going to be the biggest in Luke 9, verse 48, 
Jesus says, and, and, and said unto them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me. And he that is least among you all, the same shall be great. And that's a, a verse that you ought to write down, especially for this Christmas season. When we accept Christ, when, when these four young people have accept Christ, that child, then they accept the Father. Gabriel also declares that, that he will be called the Son of Man, the Son of the Most High. So when we think of Most High, what do we think? you got to think of God, right? I mean, in this culture, I mean, especially in Maryland now, you got that new law, so high becomes a different. Anyway, just saying. This phrase is used in various ways throughout the scripture. You'll find it uh, in Job chapter 1, verse 6, Psalms 29, 1, Romans 8, 14, and Luke 6, 35. And when you read that stuff, it's, it's, it's important when you're, you're interpreting and you're reading a translation is to utilize the context in which, um, in which it was used by, by examining the closest sentences uh, to understand what the writer was trying to say. So, so you're putting it all in, in the same idea. And so we find in Luke chapter 1, Jesus' unique sonship. Not to only God, but to the entire world. And then this is, announcement is also an announcement of the power of God. In 2 Samuel 7, verses 12 through 16, it tells us, And when the days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him. And I, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee, in thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. That prophecy in Samuel is, is fulfilled by Christ. The way that, that God chose to reveal the character of Christ was through that virgin birth. Mary and Joseph had no sexual relations until after Jesus was born. And, that, and we, we find that in Matthew 1, uh, verse 25, where it tells us, and he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. Now, in, in a recent survey, did you know that 79% of Americans believe in the virgin birth? And what's even more surprising is that 27% of self-proclaimed non-Christians affirm the, the virgin birth. That's interesting, isn't it? The virgin birth of Christ isn't a myth. It's not a random act, fact from the gospel. 
It was a witness of the power of God. But there are three reasons why there was a virgin birth. The first one is that the virgin birth highlights the supernatural. There was a supernatural conception, a supernatural birth, and a supernatural resurrection and ascension to the right hand of Christ, to God, right? All for us. And the virgin birth reveals that, that we need redemption, that we can't bring that through ourselves. See, we always try to ex explain away our sins, don't we? We always try to, to, to justify why we did something wrong. So we can't redeem ourselves. We need a Savior. Humanity couldn't produce its own Redeemer because of our sin and guilt. So the Messiah had to come from the outside, had to be sinless, had to be God with us. And then the virgin birth reveals God's initiative. The angel didn't ask Mary about her willingness. He didn't ask Mary for permission. But God, the Father, acted gently, but decisively to save his people from their sins. And so in Matthew 1, verse 21, it said, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, again, I can't talk for anyone, even those that, that I feel like I know intimately. I don't know all your sins. You're not going to tell me everything. Let's be for real, right? You're going to keep some of that stuff deep down where you think you can hide it from God. But you can't. And so God sent Jesus to give us an opportunity, a way to come to him. And our last point today is the acceptance of Mary. And I love how this goes in verse 38. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. This teenage girl was standing in front of an angel who already scared everything out of her, right? And, and so, because usually they were messengers of death or, or you know, something bad's going to happen. And all of a sudden, he's telling her that she was going to bear the, 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 the seed of God, the son of God. And she had to, Make a decision. Now, now, he didn't really give her a decision on what he said, right? But she made the decision. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. How many of you would do, be, are able to do that? To give yourselves that completely, knowing what your life as a, on this earth would be. What it was going to look like. The struggles what society was going to say by accepting the Lord in your life. See, because that's a real thing for us, right? For us as, as, as Christians, because there's so many of us that, that, that sit in churches all, the, all over the world that won't go and talk about Jesus to anybody else. You talk about it to, the, to each other. You shake hands and wave at each other and, and share it while you're all together. 
But when you go out into the world, you don't say anything. Because you might be made fun of. Somebody might shut the door on you. Somebody may decide to cut you out of their life. So God calls his servants to a life of risk. Mary's risk was her reputation, her future, her security, her comfort, the plans that she had with Joseph. That was all at risk. But not only that, but God calls his servants to a life of readiness. See, Mary refers herself to the handmaid of the Lord. I love that. Now, this is used to describe a person of humble reputation, humble station in life, who addresses a superior in recognition, in recognition of the position of that superior. In other words, she knew who God was. I ask you right now, do you know who God is? And everybody's going to say, yeah, I know. But do you know him? Do you know where he is in your life? How he's working in your life? That his hand is on you, whether you accept that or not. That he knows every hair on your head. And then God calls the servants to a life of reward. And our reward is Jesus. That's the gift that keeps on giving, right? That's the whole reason for Christmas. That's the whole reason why we go through all of this. That's why we start with Advent to walk our way to that Christmas day and celebrate wholly the birth of Christ. God sent a Savior. He sent His Son in the form of an infant, in a humble home of a carpenter, so that Jesus would and could live as a human, as an example for all of us. That we might identify with him and his life as the sinless son of God that went through all the things that we go through. That lived a life just like we live, but was sinless. Our Savior, the Messiah of the world, came for us. He sent a Savior. And I'm going to close with a familiar passage of Scripture. In the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And God's Word says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever... Remember that, whosoever. There's no qualification. That's anybody, everybody is able to come to him. Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. All you got to do is believe in Jesus. For real, all the way here. Not just here, 
You got to make that 18 inch distance. And verse 17, because you really can't take these two apart. For God sent not his son to, into the world to condemn it, but that the world through him might be saved. He didn't come down here to, to send us all to hell. He came down here to give us an opportunity to come to heaven. Isn't that great? Oh my goodness, what a gift that is. I'm telling you, this Christmas season, I pray. I pray that that it's certainly that Christ is the center of your season. And if it is, if he is, then your attitude changes. I tell you that because that's how it worked for me. Because Christmas is about Christ. Let's pray. Father, today we are so thankful for all that you've given us. Today you've sent three of our youth forward and, and they were baptized in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Lord, through the example of that teenage girl and what she experienced that day, that would change her life for, forever. And to know that not only were with you, you were with her until she came, you took her home, that you were with us. And that through sending your son here to be our savior, that you give us a way, a reason to celebrate his birth. We thank you, Father for the love that you have for each of us. I pray that each man, woman, and child here today would just, just reach out and grab a hold of, of that baby Jesus. And Lord, that they would be blessed, that they would feel your presence in their life. I'm thankful for each one of them. And Lord, I pray that you continue to smile on them. We thank you for this time. We thank you for Lord Jesus, for, for that birth, for that death on that cross, and for the resurrection that freed us all to come to heaven. We pray all of this in that precious, that holy name. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, all God's children said, amen. And so we give you this opportunity. We have a, a you can come up and if you if you have something on your heart you'd like to pray about. If there's something that, that that's in your in your heart right now that you don't want to talk about but you want prayer for, God God knows what that's about. You can come forward. You can pray with one of the the men that'll be up here, or you can pray by yourself, or you just share it with us. If you uh, haven't joined the church and you would like to join the church, we just open our arms. I mean, we could use you. You know, this little this little church on the hill is is all about being family. But the biggest reason, if there was, if I only could do one, the reason for this last song 
He said, if in your hearts there's something missing, if if you have, haven't made that decision to follow Jesus, that you need to do it. Don't do it with your head. You have to do it with your heart. You have to understand that none of us knows when our last day here is. And if you make that decision not to do this soon, like we're now, and I, I use the the... the Illustration that if you walk down the steps of this church and they're being wet and you slip down the church steps and you break your neck and you die thinking you're going to come back next week and, and accept Jesus, our insurance is going to cover the church. Right, right, Lindsay? Okay. <laughs> but without having that fire insurance of Christ in your life, then you will not be in heaven just because you intended to come forward. We have to, you have to do it. I'm not trying to scare you, I'm just telling you the truth, and that's my job.